Um, okay, so... I have too much content for what we have to do here tonight. So I'm going to try and cut it down. Um, there's generally three kind of major techniques of, of a medita- meditative type or meditative uh, approach. One is creative visualizations. Yes, where you actually visualize something that you want to internalize. That's one way. Um, where you literally create an image of, in your head of like what you want. You've heard of this, right? Anyone also seen like The Secret, right? The Secret, the movie The Secret, where it's all about manifesting your reality. So I actually couldn't watch it because like some of it's true and some of it's like not true and it's like very confusing. Meaning what they do is they, they talk about the idea that you can create your own reality, that you can manifest a certain thing in your life, which is definitely an aspect of truth there. But it leaves God out of the picture, like as if like you're God, and so that if you didn't achieve, if you didn't manifest something in your life through visualization, um, there's something you know wrong with you. Like you didn't do it properly, which is obviously not a Jewish belief, and we don't believe that. And there's a whole picture that we have no clue about in life, and we're only one standing in one little chapter of a book of a volume of books, and we don't really believe that. But there is an aspect of the power of intention and the power of being able to visualize something and create and shift your internal relationship to something so that you then attract it into your life or that you could be blocking something in your life and you don't even realize it because of a subconscious pattern right that exists that's true and even from a psychobabble point of view as a psychologist that's also true right so so there is an element of truth there that's by the way you know the power of things that are not true power of falsehood is in life that it always is elements of truth interwoven with elements of lies that's why it's so powerful because there is aspects of truth into, when something's completely a lie, it's not, it's not seductive, right? You, you, you don't believe it. It's clearly, clearly not true. When there's aspects of truth interwoven with aspects of falsehood, unless you have clear kind of truth glasses on to see the whole picture, like halacha or Torah, right, which actually do that. Once you start learning Torah, you can like go into things and say, oh my gosh, that's true, that's not, that's true, that's not. I went through all my psych textbooks and other things and was really clear which there were aspects that were really true and aspects that were like, where'd they get that from? Like, I don't know. Like, it's like a good theory, but I have no idea if it's true, right? So it's very interesting interwoven. Like, one of my favorites was, um, was uh, you know, speak your own truth or, um, or you have to, you know, express how you feel and that the feelings somehow are reflective of your reality and your truth. If you feel it, it's true. All these things, right? Do what your heart feels is true. Which part of my heart? What do you mean? Like what, right? It doesn't, sometimes your heart tells you things that, not, that, are, that you feel things very strongly, but it's not true. So what does that mean? Like if my heart is feeling something, that means it's my truth. But then how do I know that that truth is the right, right truth? But it makes sense. It sounds logical. If I feel it in my heart, I should listen to it and follow it. That also sounds true, right? Because there are times where that is true. But it's only part of the picture, yeah? So one of the things that, I, that was very inspiring with Torah, obviously, is that it was a blueprint of a massive map. And until you spend time learning that map, you know, you might learn an aspect here and say, like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's great. I really get that. That's true. And then you learn something here and you go, what the heck's that? I have no idea what that is, right? And then you learn something here and say, and so like you ignore it. And then like that, that's just plain offensive. Like I'm not into that at all, right? Like that's just, oh my gosh, no way. And then that is like, oh my gosh, that relates to the offensive thing. That's, a, oh my gosh, that's, a, I'm never going to do it. But like, oh my gosh, I get it, right? And then as the more and more you start to learn, there's a bigger picture that starts to develop, like a massive map. And you start to see all the interconnections between things. There's no way you could have known before, right? And, and, and then you get to decide, do I want to start taking things on in my life? Because now I have a bigger picture. But until that point, you might have just seen like this little nugget of truth and gone, yeah, that's true. I relate to that. Or that sounds true. So I'm just going to do that. But you don't realize that that relates to something else that you never learned about, right? Okay. So creative visualization I went totally off topic I have no idea why I did that Um, um, imagery is the second one which is that we use an image in existence so you could be like focusing on a candle you could be focusing on a mantra that's already in existence whether it's shalom or whether it's you know a don alam or whatever it is Um, but you're using something that is a focal point whether it's inside your head or outside right that's a that's also a way of training the brain to concentrate training the mind to focus so that we know that when we can increase our ability to focus on a single point, we have a certain level of peace. It's called manuka senefesh, right? A certain level of tranquility by being able to focus. There's nothing more um, 
anxiety provoking than being distracted all the time have you ever found this where you just want to get something done and you're being pulled in a million directions and at some point you get so frustrated because you just can't do what it is you wanted to do and it's like you you just can't focus right nowadays it's really really hard because all of our gadgets do that for us all the time um and the real real sense of calm comes when i can focus my mind in one thing and block out everything else and you'll see this with some great people that they're able to just be in the zone and you're like hello like you know like mom mom and they're not answering you right and then you're like they're just so in the zone that that they're they're connected to the present and being in the present with whatever they're in that that creates a sense of calm and peace but that is a practice you have to constantly practice it's not fun it's not this transcendental experience of you know meditation like which is what people think it is right it's really hard work practicing and then when your mind wanders off you bring it back and then when your mind wanders off you just gently no judgment you just gently bring it back your mind wanders off, you bring it back. And through training your mind to come back over and over again, you expand the ability to be present with whatever it is that you're observing, watching, focusing on, saying, right? Your concentration starts to expand. And the more your concentration starts to expand, the deeper you can go in yourself, the deeper you can access yourself, and the more manuchas and nefesh you feel by being present and with that focal point, whatever, whatever that focal point is, whether it's a person, Right? You've ever been with people where they literally can't keep their focus on you and they're like, hi, how are you? Yeah. And they're like looking for the next person in the room and then they're like down on the phone and they're, mm-hmm. right? And they just can't, they, you can see they're so uncomfortable in their own skin, they just can't be with you. You see, this happens a lot, unfortunately, nowadays, right? They, just, they literally just can't just be present with you because they're not comfortable being present with themselves. Yes? So this breaks all your relationships. This is just no way you can be present in your own life unless you're able to expand your ability to be present with yourself and other people and God. You can, by the way, you know, if you're ever, if you're ever praying, again, the ability you can stay focused on the prayer is part of that, right? Other than just like, okay, what am I having for breakfast? Okay, what I've got to do today? Okay, right? It's like annoying because then you just go through your life in a constantly distracted state, which does not give you any happiness or fulfillment whatsoever. Okay. Third thing is just awareness. So first is creative visualization, creating a vision. The second is, Im- is, is, uh, is imagery, using an image in existence or a word in existence to focus on. And the third is awareness of just being aware of what is. And again, I think we're historically terrible at this because we like to work it out. We like to fix it. We like to judge it. We've got to change it, right? Rather than just let me be aware with curiosity of what is. What am I feeling? I don't know. I don't know if I feel like that because why should I feel like that? Because no, 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 no. What are you feeling? Like, just what are you feeling? Like, be curious, not judgmental, right? Just what am I feeling right now? Or what do I think about that? Or let me just be aware. Let me just be conscious. Why did I just do that thing? That's, that's my favorite one, like bringing awareness to what, what your intention was that you weren't conscious of, right? You can't change anything if you're not aware of why you did something. Okay. <clears throat> um... This is psychobabble, not Torah. But basically, if you look at the mind, I did this once in one other meditation. Some of you may have been here, but it's important because we're going to take it a step further now. Um, This is the conscious mind. These are all the things you're aware of, right? Things you're aware of about yourself, about your life, about who you are. Um, In here, we're going to call this stuff. Very technical term. Um, And this is your subconscious this is stuff you're not aware of at all. That's sitting in, in your in your mind. This is also where all of our dreams come out of here. This is where meditation accesses this place. And this is every experience you've ever had or been exposed to that somehow had an impact on you. And when you meditate, you can drop into the stuff and it can unravel into your conscious mind. So sometimes you'll be in a meditation or if you're quiet or even just a reflective moment and all of a sudden you get a memory that just pops up into your brain. You're like, where'd that come from? Oh my gosh, yeah, I remember that. Or something triggers the memory and all of a sudden, bloop, it pops up to the surface to your conscious mind when you weren't aware of it. I use the example, that the most profound example for me of this was when when I was younger, we used to watch um, video hits you know, on a Sunday and we had, um, there, was, there was a period of time where Red Hot Chili Peppers under the bridge was on like every single week for months and months and months. And on Sundays, my brother and I used to go and get chocolate croissants from the bakery. So we'd come home. I still remember this so, vis- so vividly. And there would be like hot chocolate croissant 
and I'd bite into it and the chocolate like would ooze out and under the bridge was on at the same time and I was eating it with under the bridge right and it was like like kind of the closest to heaven I could get at the time of my that age and um, many years <laughs> many years later um, I walked into a, I don't know I, I don't know it was a bar or a shop or something and all of a sudden under the bridge came on and I totally tasted the chocolate croissant like all of a sudden that the song bloop, all of a sudden that memory came up and I literally could taste and smell the chocolate croissant. It was so, it was so in there, right? Okay. This is also, this is in here is like your unconscious. So like if you're in like coma or whatever, you can't really access that part of you. But as you see, what we're aware of, this is a bit scary, is a very, very small piece of who we are, right? At any given time. So the goal, if you want to increase awareness, increase consciousnessness, right? is to move your awareness more into a bigger space and allow what's in your subconscious to come up. Yeah? Okay. So, there's also, by the way, so the next step of this is there's a basic tension between this in our life because often we know what, what, what is true and what would be good in a situation, but then, like, sometimes we can't help it because we'll act in a way that's coming from our subconscious. So I'm walking down the street and... Um, Someone cuts in front of me or I'm driving my car and someone cuts in front of me. So I know the right thing is to be patient and let them in, no problem. But I just can't help it. I just go, beep my horn out, dare you, and I get angry, right? So I know that I shouldn't get angry, but subconsciously it's coming from my subconscious to react that way for some reason. There's often a tension between our conscious mind, what we know, we, who we want to be. We know what's true. We know what's right. We know who we should be. And then our subconscious is what's really in there, and that's what we need to work on in this lifetime. So... Um, so what I wanted to do is just to share with you a reading of Revolver. Revolver was a, <clears throat> a Musser, which is like a personal growth expert. I have way too few of these. So we're just going to, can you do one between two? Rav Shlomo Volba was a, um, famous rabbi known for his development of Musar. Musar is personal growth, personal work on yourself, on your midot, on your character traits. And he says, you'll, you'll all get one. I'll just read it. It's two paragraphs. He, he taught that the midos, the internalized patterns of thought, speech, and behavior, are, 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 are actually patterns that we've created and that amida is a seor. A seor is a sort of internal video that we carry around inside of us. Right? It's just a video player that's going all the time. And it shows us how to behave under different sorts of circumstances. Everyone got? Okay, not bad. One between two worked. Yeah? Meaning, let's, let's go back. Rabbi Shlomo Volba taught that Midos, your character traits, are, are internalized patterns of thought, speech, and behavior. That is, a Mida is a Tsior, a sort of internal video that we carry around inside of us that shows us how to behave under different sorts of circumstances. So whenever I confront some situation in my life, my subconscious mind with lightning speed searches its libraries of videos of CRM for the one closest to what I perceive is happening and then I choose to follow the prescription displayed in my own internal video that's locked into my subconscious right for example if someone would feel he's being robbed he would consult his internal video library and inside some individuals there is a CRM that shows the victim screaming for help that's what I should do if I'm getting robbed I should scream for help right that's somehow been something that's gone in that's been taught it's in the subconscious Others have a seor that shows the victim calmly resisting, like you're not going to get me, right? Others see a seor of physically fighting back, while yet others might have a seor of passively cooperating. So each individual views his internal seor, his internal video, and then usually chooses to behave that way. And this happens in a flash, a flash of lightning. It's not like a thought-out process. It's coming straight from the subconscious. These internal videos are either innate or learned, and with some exceptions, they actually can be changed which is the good news, by the way, right? That you can really change them. Within this theoretical framework that defines a meter as any internalized pattern of thought, speech, and behavior, it's the, the list of human character traits is infinite. That's, that's the rest of the sentence there. The list of human character traits is infinite. So, so what does that mean? That means that inside all of us, we have these videos of how we think we should react and who we think we should be in every given different scenario. And it's based on something you internalize from somewhere. It could have been school, it could have been parents, it could have been society, it could have been wherever. And the good news is you can change it. How? How do you think you can change it? 
Exposing yourself to other things. Like, so you can always replace your tsior if you don't want that one anymore. But it's a manual override, and um, you, but you can replace it. So positive imagery, exposing or, or creating an image that you want, meditation, visualization can help rewire this, right? Um, I was around some, I had the opportunity in my lifetime to be around some pretty amazing people. You know, um, one of them is my rabbi who's in Philadelphia right now. Um, the Kamenetskis, and you know, every single night of the week, there is some unfortunate individual in the community that pops by unannounced at their house. Right? I've been at their house enough, thank God, that I see that um, we're talking disabled or um, you know, some sort of uh, developmental uh, disability or some like they have. They have also neighbors that are very, very disadvantaged in that way. And they literally just drop in every night of the week at their house. Now, my tsior is, how dare you? This is my private time. I'm, my family needs me. Like, what do you, you know, like, uh, come back when you, you could ask if it's okay. Like, it's invasive, right? Theirs is, and again, I was shocked to see, again, I, I was being exposed to a different video, right, of the Rebertson. I was there one night and this, 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 this man came over who was clearly developmentally challenged and was just telling her some story, and she was like, she was in the kitchen cooking, and she was like, mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm, oh, oh, mm-hmm, uh-huh. Very pleasant, very sweet, listening to the whole thing. I was just watching this, and he was going on and on and on. And then after about 10, 15 minutes, he left. And I said, who was that? And she says, he comes by every night. I went, what? She said, yes, he's, he's developmentally got his challenge, so he doesn't remember. So he tells her the same story every single night. And she does that every single night. Just the capacity of giving and capacity of kindness, it was like my whole subconscious was like short circuiting, right? Like, that's not my tsior, that's not my video. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And the more I was exposed to this, the more I could appreciate the, the greatness of this kind of reaction. I was like, I want to be like that, right? It wasn't even in my frame of reference to be like that. Maybe once or twice I would have done it and then told everyone how good it was that I did that, right? They, they do it every night. Like she, she would never have told me this had I not been there. Yeah. So, okay. So if you choose something positive, you can create a positive imagery in the place of the negative. This is very important. The big question. Now, up till now, this is all nice stuff that you could have easily watched on Oprah, right? Pretty much. The thing I used to, I don't know about you, but the thing I used to always feel is like, okay, so especially when I was learning psychology, was great, I'm going to pick an image, I want to win the US Open, fantastic, you know, even a skill, and I'm going to visualize it, great, so does that mean I can win the US Open? And so some people would say, yeah, put your mind to anything, you can do anything if you put your mind to it, right? You hear all that, that's another example of truth and falsehood, right? Mm -hmm. No. Sometimes I was saying, but that's just fantasy. I'm just making, I'm plucking an image from the sky and I'm just thinking I can do it. And because I can put my mind to it and visualize it, like that means I could do it. Like how, how do you know the difference between a real visualization that really will make a difference to my life and a fantasy that's like not related at all and maybe isn't, that isn't appropriate for me? You hear the question? Because one is life changing and life transformative and the other is you're just completely wasting your time. Right? So you would think this is a really important distinction and how do I make that distinction? And not only that, it's awesome because I found this source in the Torah for this, which is just amazing. Like, so it's like connecting psychology and meditation with our roots, yeah? With our roots and where does this actually come from? So before we do that, we have to go into a little bit of Kabbalah that I don't understand at all. And um, the Arizal, Isaac Luria, talks about the idea that there's four levels of the body that are connected to four levels of the mind, that are connected to four levels of the soul. There's actually five, but we can't access the fifth. And there's also the four elements in the world, right? So there's obviously something here about fours that cross over and a parallel. But we're going to talk today only really about the four levels of the mind and the four levels of the body and how they overlay, yeah? So, I do have handouts. Should we give them out? Okay. I'm going to do half this way. Again, I think I only have 15 of these. So nearly everyone can have one, but not everyone. Just either do one between two. Actually, I need one. Sorry. Um, the four levels of the body are the bones, 
the veins or the sinews, the flesh and the skin. Yeah, bones, the sinews and veins, the flesh and the skin, going from the internal to the external, four levels, yeah? They have the Hebrew names there is Atsamos, Gidim, Basar, and Or. Going from inside to the outside of us, to the, the central core of us are the bones and moving out into the veins and the flesh and the skin. They parallel the four levels of the mind. The four levels of the mind are right brain, which we call Chachma. Yeah, Chachma, Koachma, power of what? Which is more about creativity. Left brain, which is much more about structure, which we call Bina, right? Which is understanding. The resolution of the two is Das, right? Now we know where Chabad comes from. Chachma, Bina, Das, right? Chabad. The fourth is Dimyon, imagination, visualization, right? Chachma, Bina, Das, Dimyon are the four levels of the mind that correspond with the four aspects of the body. So at the top here, I've done it neatly for you with the English and the Hebrew and the whole thing, right? We've got the bones associating with Chachma, wisdom and the right vein, veins with Bina, flesh, your, your flesh is your, is your the, you know, the meat, with Das, knowledge, and the skin with imagination or with imagination. Okay. Obviously, each one of those you could do a whole class on, right? Fantasy versus visualization. The biggest thing is, does it come from the inside out or the outside in? Oh, wait one second. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, The most important question when approaching this concept is, is this visualization is, is, am I able to change myself? Is, is the visualization, the idea, the concept coming from the outside in or the inside out? What do I mean? Who chose the thought or the visual that you want to work with? Where'd it come from? Yeah. Is it coming from me or is it coming from outside of me? This is the most important. If it's externally imposed, then it's skin deep. There's no flesh. It's coming from the outside. It's the skin. It's the out. It's external to me. So then I can just pick. I want to do. I want to be. I want to win the U.S. Open. Where, where does that come from? I can't even play tennis to be honest. Like, right? It's just I saw something. I want to be like Serena Williams. It's from the outside in. I want to be that. And so all of a sudden, I'm plucking something from the outside. It's only skin deep. It's very superficial, right? It's not. It's not really aligned with who I am, right? I, I'm not even checking. I just see that, I want it, she seems successful, I want to be like that, and, and, I'm, and now I'm going to focus on that, right? Or, or there's a million other examples. If you have a good intuition of what you want your life to look like and you're aware of who you are, you have chachma and bina about you, you have wisdom and understanding about who you are, then it starts to come from the inside out, right? A creative, then, then a visualization can be healthy. It's coming from Chachma to Bina to Das and to Dimyon. Dimyon is the visual. It's the skin that covers the flesh, that covers the sinews, that covers the bones, right? It's going from the outside all the way in to you. You hear? It's got to go from the outside in or the inside out. It can't just be purely external. And so where does this idea of fantasy come from, of this external versus internal? So to understand this, we always look into the Torah. The fantasy or false imagination is related to the first narrative in the Torah, right? Adam and Eve, Voracious 3.1, the first source on your sheet. It says here, The serpent, the snake, was the shrewdest of all the beasts, right? That God had made. And, he, and the snake, bless you, said to the woman, Did God really say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? Right? So he's being sly and cunning. So the snake was Arom. Naked and sly is what the word Arom means. I, I underlined it there. And tempted Eve to eat from the tree of knowledge. Nachas Arom. The sly nakedness, what does it mean? The snake represents in Torah the consciousness of fantasy. Yeah, the snake represents the consciousness of fantasy. The day you eat from the tree, you will become more powerful. Right? The snake is outside and Adam and Eve listen to the voice outside even though their own inner voice said, don't eat from the tree. 
she knew she shouldn't they shouldn't eat from the tree no the gods said we're gonna die like and he goes no you're not gonna die again partly true they didn't die truth and lies were woven together they didn't die but death was introduced into the world right so it was a partly true that's why it was so so sly yeah but she knew they knew inside they shouldn't eat from the tree what did they do they listened to the outside voice they disconnected from themselves in that moment they didn't listen to their internal voice which said don't eat the nachash only has skin it's superficial Right? The nachash was just like, whatever. It's like manipulating. You know, like one of those creepy salesmen that calls you up and you're like, oh, like, why? They don't care. They don't care who you are inside. They just want to sell you something. By the way, it's interesting that, sk- that snakes always have to shed their skin. Yeah? Deep connection here between snakes and skin and the superficiality. So what happens? Adam's and Eve's skin becomes damaged. Their skin becomes damaged. What do I mean? Before the sin, how were they walking around? Do you remember? Naked. They were naked. Why? They didn't. They weren't they were conscious. Of they weren't conscious because why? The skin reflected. Was the skin was the garment? The soul was so luminescent that the skin was the garment. So they didn't feel naked because the skin was the garment of. It was just purely inside to their outside. That's it. As soon as they listened to the outside voice, bless you, their skin became damaged and all of a sudden they became aware, right? Because they damaged their outer garment. They damaged it. Now they needed clothes to protect their skin. Yes? They became embarrassed. They became embarrassed because they became aware that now all of a sudden their skin wasn't their outside garment anymore. It wasn't reflecting who they were. They gave it away in a way. This, this Kabbalah talks about Zuhamar came down. Do you know that the skin before the sin was like our fingernails? Their skin was as translucent as our fingernails. So the soul was so bright and the skin, the outside layer, was not like dense like this. It was translucent like your fingernail without nail polish, right? (laughs) So that is why we look at our nails in the Havdalah light, Motsi Shabbos, yes? Do you you know this? That's when uh, Motsi Shabbos, there's a whole midrash around a fire and Adam and and on Motsi Shabbos after the sin... Adam, that's when they noticed they were naked, except for their nails. The nails were reflective of the initial state that they were in. So it's a reminder to us of where we can get to. And also the nails are the part of the body that grow on their own, right? They grow even once you're, I think you're dead, they grow. So we look at them also to remind, we want to be growth oriented. That's also another level of why we look at our nails. But part of it is we look at the translucency of the nails at the light. When we say, um, to remind ourselves of this this original state that we could be in, of where our soul is so powerful, and more than the skin, more than the body. Yes, that's what that's what they. But they. So anyway, the skin was literally light. Okay. What are some of the examples of modern day snakes, modern day nachashes, modern day ex- external voices? Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Advertisements? Cool. Advertisements, yeah. Crash diets. Crash diets, <laughs> yes, 100%. To be like what? So what's the, what's the seduction? You'll be beautiful. You'll be beautiful. And desirable. What's the Facebook so one? You'll have lots of friends. To be like, yeah, like when you wish you could be. Like you'll have this, like you'll have you this. Oh, like you mean like how people curate what their lives look you can like? Present, like yeah. a really good life, yeah. You can present a really good. Oh, right, the image, the image, right, the external image, rather than who I really am, and that's why people feel so lonely, even though they're connecting, because it's not really them; it's just the skin, mm-hmm. just the external, right? Yeah. Good. What else? The Kardashians. The Kardashians, which is what? What's the image that speaks to us? <laughs> you have plastic surgery, you'll be perfect. <laughs> so plastic surgery would be another yeah. one, yeah magazines and like all the things they try to sell you this bag will make you happier this jewelry right so all of that advertising consumerism all the products if I just buy into this yeah I would even say money certain jobs if I get this job you know when I was the Today Show psychologist I would watch uh, when I went to parties um, I'd say what, what, you know, what do you do is the first question you're asked usually in the circles that I was in and I'd be like oh I, I'm a psychologist I'm on the Today Show oh all of a sudden I was import- as soon as I mentioned that magic two words all of a sudden ooh you're on the Today Show I was like yeah like that became 
my identity. And the most, one of the most challenging things when I went to Israel to learn was stepping completely... I quit the Today Show and I went and sat down with uh, people t- around five to ten years younger than me and I couldn't read Hebrew and I was sitting there all uh, based, I couldn't do anything and you know, going down to the store and you're trying to even read the cereal boxes and you don't understand it. You know, like it was very, very, very humbling. I was like, corn, uh, flax, corn. Oh my gosh, cornflakes. Oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing. Right? It was so humbling because you step out of your identity of what defines you and what makes you feel like you're something because of the external image and you strip yourself away from that image and you say, who am I? By the way, some women find this extremely hard to even keep Shabbat because of the makeup aspect. Who am I without? Can I can I not put on makeup for a, for a day? What? Can I really go out and see people and not put on makeup? It's very confronting because you're confronting that inner connection. Who am I without the makeup? It's a, another mask. Only with makeup, when I look great and perfect, you can't see my bangs, you can't see my pimples and my pigment and my. Di- Only then do I feel like I can be, you know, acceptable and loved and. So there's all these masks, there's all these external images. So how do we get in touch with the inner voice? How do we get in touch with the inner voice? Do you listen to it? How do you how do you listen to it? Question your assumptions. Maybe? Question your assumptions. Yeah. You silence the outer voices. You have to silence the outer voices, right? Okay, so let's do a little exercise, a little meditation. So get comfortable. If phones are, can everyone put phones on silent and not, not, not vibrate? Um, you watch my phone, or my phone will ring now. I don't even know where my phone is. Okay. Um, just get comfortable. Feel your feet on the ground. And when you, feel, when you feel like you're able to, just gently close your eyes. Take a deep breath. And just notice, again, the first step is awareness. Just, again, no judgment. There's nothing you need to do right now. There's nowhere you need to be. You can just bring your attention to this moment. There's no right and wrong in this exercise whatsoever. And just bring the ability, the capacity, the intention of being curious and just wanting to know. And when you're in this space, just notice what you notice about yourself, about your body, about what you notice. How you feeling? What it's like to be internally focused for a moment? Just notice if it's uncomfortable, if it's hard to sit still, if it's easy, if it's relaxing, if it's distracting. There's no right and wrong. And as you take a deep breath in and exhale, just allowing yourself to be here more and more in this moment, drifting deeper and deeper into this moment easily, effortlessly. Just allowing yourself to relax from the top of your head Releasing and letting go by choice of any tension as it moves down your neck, your face. Easily into your neck, choosing to let go. Relaxing more into your shoulders, your arms, all the way into your fingertips. As your attention moves down your chest and your back. Relaxing, letting go of any tension that might be there, if you want. Into your stomach. Choosing to let go. And be here. All the way down into your pelvis. 
finding it easy to go deeper and deeper down into your legs, down into your knees, choosing to let go of any tension into your calves and all the way into your feet. And as you sit here, drifting deeper and deeper and deeper, noticing how easy it is to allow yourself to be here. Just noticing that there's a part of you that's aware and noticing. Just noticing that there's that part of you that notices. Can you sense where that part is? There's your body and there's the part that notices the body. And it's really quite effortless. Nothing has to be done. It just is. And we're just noticing. And in this moment, it also becomes interesting to notice that right here, right now, God is in your life and loves you very, very much. And that God is right here, right now with you, personally, in this moment. And just noticing your reaction to that. Just noticing your reaction to recognizing, realizing, becoming aware of the fact that there is a creator, a designer, God, Hashem, that cares about you personally very, very much and is in your life right now with you. Just notice without judgment or effort what's that like to notice that. And as you notice this, you can just gently drift deeper and deeper and deeper into a place that is still and calm and accepting. And it's in this moment that is still and calm and accepting that you can ask yourself any questions. There's no right or wrong answer, but often the first answer that pops into your head is the right one for you in this moment. So without trying to think of something or construct anything, just allowing the thought to pop up in your mind when you ask yourself the following question
what needs to change in my life for me to become more of my best self. What needs to change in my life for me to become more of my best self? And again, with no judgment, just notice what popped up into your head. So at this time in front of you, you notice there's a big wall. And this wall reaches up to the sky as far as you can see. There's no end in sight. And this wall looks, if you look to the right and the left, also extends either side as far as you can see. You notice the quality of the wall and what it's made of, colors. And you notice, as you're looking around the wall, that down the bottom, near your feet area, is a tiny door. And curiously, you reach down and you open the door easily. You notice that the size of the door is just big enough for you to fit through. You're curious to see what's on the other side of that wall. As you lean down, you start to squeeze yourself through the door. And squeeze and squeeze through to the other side of this long wall. It takes quite a bit of effort to get through. But you're determined to get through. And as you squeeze through, you notice that you can let go of any limitations, any fears, any predetermined images of yourself as squeezing through this small door allows you and as you notice that it becomes easy to let go, you find yourself standing on the other side. In a wide, open, expansive place. And for the first time in a long time, There's a sense of freedom. Of being you. Just notice where you feel that in your body. Notice what you let go of.
and allowing any other noises to help you stay centered. With this new sense of freedom and expansiveness, finding yourself bringing this sense with you back through the door onto the other side into your life as you know it. Bringing this sense of freedom, openness. into your current life. And feeling your feet on the ground, gently preparing to come back into the room. Five, feeling yourself on the chair, your back against the chair, four, listening to the sounds around you, three, hearing the sound of my voice too. Taking a deep breath. One, and in your own time, gently opening your eyes and coming back into the room. like no one's rushing to get out of here thoughts comments protests what did you notice you don't have to share anything personal if you don't want to but the more you can give some form yeah I feel like especially being in the city I'm always on the go so I can't see all over the place. So it's nice to like just like have time for myself, not the room so quiet. I wasn't even seeing anything, I was just like calm. So what what did you notice in yourself that was felt the most different to what you how you usually um, are? You usually have anxiety. <coughs> ah. So I don't know, I'm never really tired. It's really hard for me to fall asleep, so I feel like usually like I don't know, if I'm like very still, I cannot really sit still, so And you could? Yeah. So you felt a, la- a calm? Yeah. Beautiful. Great. Okay. I can't, I'm not sure if I was asleep or in another state. I'm not sure, but I was like really somewhere else. I, I might have been asleep, but I don't know. Well, what, where were you, what was the somewhere else? I don't know, just like not in this room, <laughs> like in a trance or something. What were the sensations? Um... Well, like, what was the feeling, sense? Just kind of like nothing. Uh, were you aware of my voice the whole time? Yes, I was. So then you yeah. weren't sleeping. Okay. Usually, when you sleep, you like nod off, and then you go, right. "Oh, I'm not here." Oh, and like you, yeah. you don't know, really know what I said. Yeah. So you went into probably at a higher level of consciousness or a different state. Were you aware of your physical body? Yes, but like I didn't have. Usually I have like a lot of thoughts going on, oh I need to do this, whatever, but there was just like nothing. But yet you were focused on the voice? Yes. That's an awesome state to be in. Okay. Cool. How do you feel now? Yeah, good. I just a little bit like um I'm pretty calm, I guess. Were you aware <laughs> of um yeah. witnessing? Like a were you aware of like being aware of? Did anyone else get a sense of that? Being aware, like the part of you that's aware? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I like, understand what you were saying. Yeah, was, it's a great state to be in that yeah, state. I was like sitting here and I was, like when I was thinking about it, like for instance, I was like, when you were talking about all the parts of the body, I wasn't necessarily thinking about all the parts of the body when you said them, but then like, a minute after, I, I like started feeling all of the parts of my body. So like, mm-hmm. I like felt 
like my ears over here and like my fingertips and like my shoulders and like all like like I felt it all but then I also wasn't focused so much on that it's not like there was like a rush of like my shoulders my fingers like like usual thought patterns would just be like like this but it was just kind of like going over them like kind of like touching over them like very softly mm -hmm. and I was also really aware of like inside like how my like how my abdomen like inside like how my gut was feeling like mm. how my chest like my breathing was like feeling in and out like and the whole time I was hearing your voice but I was conscious because I was hearing other things I was just kind of like letting them be not really blocking them out but just kind of like letting them like mm -hmm. have you had that experience many times before I've meditated only like a handful of times and done yoga also like mm -hmm. just rarely, but I, but it, I, I felt that before yeah. and it's just like feels so good. So that is the sub, that is the subconscious. So that what you went is from the conscious, which is like da -da 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 -da. that's the conscious mind and you dropped into a subconscious state. Um, that's the state also that hypnosis happens in <laughs> when things are much more diffuse and, um, like you're aware of everything, but it's like expanded and you're present, but things don't bother you. Mm -hmm. So when I was a therapist working, I would do therapy with clients in that state mm -hmm. because it was much more effective because you're accessing a much broader part of yourself, mm -hmm. right? So, so you access that part, which is a, again, that's the part people try to access for meditation, right? And usually when you dip into that and come out, it recharges you enormously. It's like a, it's like the delta brainwave level that you can get into. And they found that with, um, they did experiments with meditation that if you can get once you learn that pathway how to get down and up, um, if you do that for five to ten minutes, it's it's like equivalent to a four-hour deep sleep. So it's worth recharging yourself even like that. Like rather than have a, a nap for ten minutes, it's worth meditating for ten minutes for that reason. Like, but that you basically got into a subconscious state. Where it's so I, crazy because I feel like I am tired a lot of the time. Like I just feel like exhaustion, I like a lot. And right now I like feel very much like energized. Yeah, like, you feel that's what I'm saying. It's ironic because you feel yeah. very energized from it. Yeah, great. And it's also a place where you can hear your inner voice, right? This is a place where you can hear your inner voice the most through the subconscious. Yeah. Did anyone have any experience when when I went through the part of? Um, the God is right here with you, right here, right now in your life, caring for you, loving you. Did you notice any shift in your body? Like what shifted? Do you remember that even? <laughs> it was so long ago. What? How long were we doing that for? Yeah. Uh, about 20 minutes. Did it feel like 20 minutes? No. No. I had no clue. I felt like what? Sure. Two minutes? Four minutes or four hours. So welcome to time distortion, which is also common in meditation. It's that you're not in the conscious mind of linear left brain time. I felt like we could have gone for another 10, 15 minutes. Like no one was budging. Like everyone was mostly pretty much in there. I usually like have open one eye and quickly look around to see how you all do. It's like my fear is like I open my eye and everyone's just looking at me. <laughs> no, you were all. <laughs> that would be creepy. Like I'm like in it like this. I was like gonna open my eyes and was like. <laughs> no, no one was. Uh, no one was looking at me. I felt like yeah, because you're just. At, there's a whole. There's a whole group dynamic that happens in meditation that's, again, unspoken and subconscious. So it's like if the group goes there, it helps everyone go there. Mm -hmm. I felt this was a really good group. Like everyone was in it and like really there. Like there was no, even Henry, no one, Henry came in and out. I was like, oh no. Yeah. Everyone was just like pretty much in, like focused. It's amazing. They really gave us good direction. You're like, notice the sounds and I was like so that's a hypnotic technique yeah whenever you're feeling just I do it to myself even if I hear sounds and I'm distracted I'll say allow the sounds to help you focus you include everything in the environment to help you focus yeah yeah so I worked today and I think most people didn't work today so I think that there was something different like I had like actually a very stressful day so like I just kept like thinking of things from work and I'm just like get out get out get out and I could tell by the end, like, I wasn't, but I could really see the progression mm. of, like, the first, I guess, 10 minutes. I was really consciously, like, I can't worry about that person. I can't worry about this thing I did, you know? So that's, like, 
like I, I left working like I'm so happy I'm going to meditate today and yeah. I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah. But like it Do you feel the difference now? Mm-hmm. So what the difference is calm or it's clear or how would you describe it? Yeah, just more calm. More calm. So another good trick to know with that, because that's a very common one that everyone has, is rather than like, I can't worry about that, which is creating a resistance to the thought, just say, okay, I'm like, okay, I'm worried about that, that's fine. And the more you shift to acceptance, which is a very powerful principle in yourself in general about any feeling you're having, the more it just, it just dissolves. The more you say, I can't, I can't, I can't, the more it kind of tries you to come back in sometimes. It, you can force it out sometimes, but it's like an easier transformation to just embrace and accept. And this goes, this goes, by the way, for any feeling you're feeling. Like any feeling you're feeling, if you think, I shouldn't feel that way. I shouldn't feel that way. I don't want to feel that way about that person. I don't. You, rather, just accept. Okay, I feel that way. And once you accept and you're present with whatever it is you're feeling, it actually shifts. But we so don't want to go there. Like we so don't want to do that. Like somehow it's just not okay. But if you allow everything just to be okay internally, just as in like whatever feeling is coming up, that allows for the shift itself. Just saying it's okay. It doesn't mean you have to act on it. It's okay that I feel this way. This is my truth in this moment, my feeling, and I feel this way. Now, let me just accept that so that I can then look at the next step. Yeah. Because you kept telling us to accept. That's exactly like what I what I did and like I was like hearing all of these like you know things I didn't like about myself and telling myself to accept them and I actually got to access like there's this feeling I have that like this feeling I can't believe I don't have this like anger that like I'm I'm not angry about this phenomenon that like I think knowing myself I'm like huh that's weird I thought I would be angry about that and I was able to like access why hmm cool yeah. Great. So you access a deeper, so like, part, a deeper yeah. part of yourself. It's like, oh, that's why I'm not pissed off about that. Right. It was really fascinating. Great. And you weren't aware of that before. No, I just knew that I wasn't angry about it. And I was <coughs> you like, didn't this know is why. Bizarre. I feel like I should be knowing who right. I am, even though, like, yeah. you know, I'm glad I'm not. But I was like, yeah. knowing who I am, huh? I don't get it. And then I, I got like, access to, to right. like, oh, I'm not angry about it because of this. this. It, isn't it <laughs> unbelievable when you just close your eyes and just go inside how you can access deeper wisdom about yourself and everything I mean it's unbelievable um, one of the things I learned once which is really really we can do it maybe we'll do it next time next month yeah maybe we'll do that but it was about tuning in we have different aspects of wisdom inside of us so you know your gut your gut is one type of wisdom right and your heart is another type of wisdom and your mind is another type of wisdom and they all relate to different aspects of something so um, whether you want to make the right decision, let's say you've got to make a big decision. So you can say, what does my gut say? What does my heart say? What does my mind say? And you'll get different answers from three different parts of you. And the goal is to say, well, what would need to happen for them all to be aligned? Right? Because a yes answer is when my gut and my heart and my mind are aligned with something. So sometimes when you're in conflict, it's because your mind is saying yes, but your heart's saying no, and you don't feel safe. And your gut's about safety, heart's about loving and connection, and your mind is about logic. And they all really should be aligned. Or they need to be aligned and you need to know what needs to happen in order for me to feel that I can feel safe and then connected. And it's a fascinating idea. And they're all important. They're all important. But usually people only listen to one. It depends on your pre- predominant predisposition. You'll listen to one over the others mm-hmm. and you don't know then like why you're not happy or what. Yeah. Um, did everyone get an answer? You don't have to say what. You can if you want to, but you don't have to say when I said... What would need to happen? If you, what would need to change for you to become your better self? You got an answer. Mm-hmm. I tried. That's why. That's why you didn't get the answer. Tried too hard. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That trying puts you back into the conscious. You hear? That's okay. There's no right and wrong. It's it's like that's valuable in itself for you to learn that that's what happened. That's invaluable for you to learn that because it's very common. You don't. Don't try. I kept saying. <coughs> allow whatever it is to pop into your head like I was trying to like as best as possible like be in subconscious mode right it, but but if you're just so used to thinking that way it might not happen you might just try that a few times of like and if you don't get an answer you don't get an answer that's fine but that in itself the trying is like the focusing the narrowing as opposed to opening an expansion and allowing your truth to come up or allowing a deeper aspect of yourself to come up um were you surprised at the answer no, no. Anyone? Yes? I had a very surreal thing. When you asked that, it, it, it became very surreal. Like, it just, there was, like, dancing. It was just very weird. It was very weird. Hmm. I still don't know what I mean, but people were dancing. 
People were dancing. Like my, like many knees were dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need to go dancing. <laughs> I don't know. No, usually, so you, the the subconscious so speaks in symbols, and symbols and dreams. It's like a dream type of state. Yeah. So dancing could mean again. We would have to explore what does dancing mean to you, mm. and. Right, like a dream, you have to say what is dance. What is that? Even even dreams, you know this. It doesn't. It's not literal about the person in the dream. It's what that person represents for you in your life, or even your idea of what that person is, and that's the part of you that's being projected onto. Right. So the the dancing could represent an aspect of your life that you need to integrate more. All right. I, I think I work you too hard. <laughs> she works for me. I, I can't you're going dancing tomorrow. That's it. Okay. Coming with me. Uh, I probably need to. Yeah, I was also dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Me. I'm a dancer now, so we'll go tomorrow. Okay, and just before we finish, what any any feedback on the wall? That was a whole new visualization. It was good. Yeah. You love that part? Yeah. Yeah. What 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 did you love about it? Um, I love the end part of it where you described the state that we were in because mm. I felt like I. Could Wow. You felt the shift in your body? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to do a little, little experiment. Everyone just shut your eyes for a sec. We'd like to, there'll be 30 seconds. Just shut your eyes. See if you can find that state again. Like just try and tune in to that exact body experience or body memory of the feeling of getting through the wall to the expansive, expansive place of feeling free and having let go of those limitations. Just remember what that felt like in your body. See if you can get back to that feeling. And notice where that is in your body. Just notice where those sensations are, how it feels. And then just bringing that sense back into the room. Are you able to access it again? Yeah? So that's called body memory. And like what we basically are doing was creating a new tour, a new video about like whatever it is that we've imposed restrictions and constrictions and images and whatever it is we put on ourselves through life from our experiences and our videos that we've seen and been exposed to. And then when we did that exercise, we created a new experience of like what it means to not have those videos playing, right? The freedom. And now you can make that your new video because your body has a sense of it. And as long as you go back in and keep reaffirming that, it's a body memory now, right? Of what it's like to let go of like whatever it uh, constrictions I put on myself right. right so again to the level you work with you did that a couple of minutes or one minute every day you would change your whole experience of yourself meaning that would start to go into your subconscious that feeling and then that feeling would be your state your your natural state rather than going back to the constriction because that's naturally where you spent more time practicing right okay have a calm, centered evening. I'm happy to answer any other questions or if you want to ask me anything privately. And I hope to see you. If, if it's helpful, are you all on the Facebook group? I was just going to say, you tell me if I add you to the Facebook group. Are you all on the Facebook group? No, I'll just stop you. Okay, so maybe I'll put a, I, I can do another meditation like this and record it and then put it on the Facebook group. Um, if you want to practice, it's also good, easier to play something back to yourself. Have a good night. Thank you.
walking us through like a, a guide, like who our guide was, and I saw a snake as being my guide, and like it wasn't speaking, but like it was like it was like kind of like wrapping itself around me, like in like a very pleasant way of like security, but it wasn't speaking. So it was like I the snake was really understanding me, so but he didn't. Why are you always asking me? Why are you always asking me? Why are you always asking me? 